welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 16th of March 2014, entitled, To See the End. And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 26, verses 57 to 68. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Who would like for me to preach a short sermon? Who would like for me to preach a long sermon? <laughs> Joseph, all right, you and I. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Just some simple thoughts off a precious portion of Scripture. Gospel of Matthew chapter 26, we're going to begin reading in verse 57 and read down through verse 68. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word as we begin reading in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 57. They that had laid holds on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priest and elders and all the council sought false witnesses against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Father, we thank you this evening that, Lord, as we gather here in this place of worship this evening, that, Lord, it's not just uh, any meeting, it's not a social gathering. We look forward to the fellowship that we have enjoyed and will enjoy, but Lord, we, we look now into your word. We desire that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. We pray that by the power of your spirit, Lord, you would take and make alive unto us that which you would have to our hearts this evening. We give you the praise and thanks for it in Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Of course, this passage of Scripture if we began reading before and we continued reading after, we'd find that just prior to this is when that Jesus was betrayed and when he was arrested there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And of course, when he was arrested, then they took him and they led him into the high priest. And as they led them there to 
to Caiaphas, the high priest, and the Sanhedrin. We find that that is where that this passage begins, is when that Jesus was there in the hall with them. And I wonder if, as I begin to look, there's many things that we can see as this overall passage. Of course, as Jesus is taken there, the Bible tells us very clearly that those that were sitting in judgment over him, they already had their minds made up. Matter of fact, they were trying to gather together all of these false witnesses, the Bible says, in order to come and to testify against Jesus. But the problem was even with all their false witnesses, they were struggling to be able to find enough to bring a death sentence upon him. Then they had this one to come and they said, you know, this guy, Jesus, he says that he can destroy the temple and then rebuild it again in three days. And, of course, they accused him of blasphemy. They asked him this important question there in verse 63. Tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus tells them something very important. First of all, he said, thou hast said. Thou hast said. You've said those words, yes. But notice what he says, nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter, after this, after what is taking place here, after what you're going to do with me, you're going to see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Not only do you have the Son of God with you now, but after you finish doing what you have brought him here to do, you're going to see him in a whole different light. Now, it's interesting, of course, we can look at a number of things here, but, of course, his disciples, his apostles, they were there with him in the garden, and it was, of course, one of those 12, Judas, that had betrayed him, that came and, and gave him that kiss on the cheek so that the guards would know which one was, uh, was Jesus. But one of the, the surprising things is we find there in verse 58, as Jesus was taken in verse 57 before the high priest, before the scribes, before the elders, it says in verse 58, but Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. He wanted to see the end. And, of course, now if you were to read verses 69 through 75 of continuing reading where we left off, that's where you'll find that, of course, Peter was accused of being one of the followers of Jesus. And the first thing he did, he just denied it. No, I am not. I'm not one of his followers. A little bit later, he was accused again. Well, the second time he went a bit further, he, he not only, you know, have you ever said something and say, no, that's not true. I didn't do that. I'm not part of that. Well, the second time he went, I swear I didn't. He, then he said it with an oath. I swear that I'm not one of his followers. Third time he was accused, he goes a step further. The Bible says he began to curse and swear that he wasn't one of the followers. He was distancing himself more and more. Peter went there. He followed him at a distance. Have you ever, I don't know, maybe read a book and you get so anxious about what's happening that you just can't wait? There's always that kidding about going back and reading the last page first. That you just can't wait to see what happens. How is this thing going to end? And, of course, that's part of what the writer is responsible for is to keep you so anxious and so interested to see that you'll keep reading so that you can get to the end and see what it's all going to come to. 
The same thing if you're watching a movie or so many things you can be involved in, you just can't wait. But have you ever been in one of those situations? Whether you get to the end, maybe you've just watched some some film that was so exciting and so gripping that it was just just almost like you were there and it got to the end and bang, you know, it finished in a way that you never expected. That was the end of the story. But it wasn't really because about a year later they came out with a follow-up and that that person suddenly, you know, they had died at the end, suddenly had, had come back to life miraculously somehow. And of course, it's amazing sometimes how they can bring a lead character back to life in order to keep the story going. Well, the Bible is just being very real here. This is when Jesus Christ is about to be crucified on that cross that we've sung so much about tonight. He was about to go, and and here he is being falsely accused and everything being set up against him. There could never be a trial that was more of a mockery than the trial of Jesus Christ. But here he is, and here one of his closest followers. He was trying to distance himself because he was afraid. He was afraid of what would happen. And again, you know, the realness of the way God is with us sometimes. I mean, you see Peter and yeah, you always see him opening his mouth and inserting foot and saying things. And he just spoke his mind. You know, sometimes, you know, you think, Peter, where in the world did that come from? You know, but God allows us to see how real that he is. And God allows us to see how much he still loves him in spite of sometimes just being downright stupid, it seems like. You know, Peter, how could you think that? Peter, how could you say that? You know, and then amazingly, you know, here, this one that, you know, had just just literally declared before Jesus when Jesus told them that they're going to deny him and they're going to just scatter and run all these different directions. They're going to forsake him. And Peter's the one that said, no way, Lord. I mean, the rest of them might do it. <laughs> they might all run, but not me. There's no way that I would ever deny you. Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter couldn't believe it. There was nothing within Peter that would have ever led him to believe that he could be in that position, and yet we see it happen. But you see, as we, as we think on that, and of course, we think on the route, really what Peter was trying to do, he, he was afraid to get too close, but he wanted to see the end. He wanted to see what was going to happen. He wanted to see how this thing was going to finish. It says that he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Did Peter end up seeing? Well, I would suggest to you that Peter saw some, some pretty horrific things taking place before him. And he saw something that was probably so totally shocking to him that he maybe couldn't even grasp it. And it, it put so much fear into him that this one that thought with everything within him that he would never deny Jesus stood there and denied him because he was so afraid of being identified with what he was seeing before his very eyes. But may I say this? Peter wanted to see the end of it. Peter saw some things that were absolutely mind-boggling, but he saw a lot of things that even he himself didn't fully grasp that he was seeing. What did he see when Jesus was literally 
murdered upon that cross of Calvary. Well, may I say to you that Peter may have saw, thought that he was seeing this one that he loved so much. He may have thought that he was seeing him defeated. He may have thought that he was seeing him, his life finished, brushed out. After all that he had done and all the hopes that he had had, gone forever. And yet may I give you four things that Peter did see the end of and many others saw the end of, but didn't even realize all that they were seeing. He saw the defeat of Satan. <laughs> he thought he was seeing Jesus defeated, but in fact, there before his eyes when he saw what happened, he was seeing Satan defeated and didn't even realize it. John chapter 13, verse 18, I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Wow. Jesus said, you don't understand everything that you're seeing here right now. <laughs> but God's already told what was going to happen. And so that God's Word is fulfilled. There's one that's eating bread here with me that has lifted up his heel against me. And then a few verses later in verse 27, he says this. He says, and after the sop, Satan entered into him, into Judas. Then said Jesus unto him, then Jesus said to Judas, that thou doest, do quickly. Jesus is the one that said, that one of these is eating bread with me is he that has lifted up his heel against me. Then Jesus said, Satan has entered into him. And Jesus said, that thou doest do quickly. You see, the death on the cross, oh yes, Satan was definitely very much there. We see Satan working through Judas. We see Satan instigating this thing that's taking place. But only because God allowed it. You see, Back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we read about that hill all the way back in the Garden of Eden. When God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. You see, Satan, God knew what he was going to do, but God knew he was defeated. We find that 4,000 years before this event, the father had his plan in place. The Bible says even before the foundation of the world, from eternity past. Now time was marching on. You stop and think about it. I mean, it's only been half that amount of time since these events took place on Calvary. 4,000 years had passed since God had first proclaimed that that hill was going to be bruised. <laughs> But yet, in God's time, matter of fact, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, but says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. You see, it was in the fullness of God's time, God's perfect timing. John chapter 12, verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out now when, now, 
when Jesus Christ died upon that cross, he defeated all of Satan's goals, all of Satan's purpose. I doubt that anybody gathered around the cross that day realized that they were actually observing the final doom of Satan himself. That was the finishing act. He was defeated completely. There on Calvary, he thought <laughs> he was getting the upper hand. You see, Satan is still alive and about today, but he's only operating on time that God has allowed. <laughs> His doom will come and be finalized because of the cross, because that's when the victory was won. You see, Peter was just hanging about there in the wings. I want to see how this thing finishes. <laughs> I want to see what the end of this story is. Oh, if he could have only grasped, he was seeing the end of Satan himself but he didn't realize it because there upon that cross is when he observed the defeat of Satan. But not only did he observe the defeat of Satan, secondly, I believe that he saw the end of something else. He saw the depravity of mankind. <laughs> he saw the depravity. You see, the high priest had to get rid of Jesus. Why? Because he was exposing all of their hypocrisies. They weren't sorry for anything that they had done. They weren't sorry for how that, that they were abusing God and how that they were using the people. They were sorry they were getting caught. So many times that's the problem today. People aren't really sorry for the sin itself. They're just sorry when they get caught in that sin. That was the problem. I mean, these were the religious leaders. They had it made, man. They had the, the power, the control, and they were the good guys. The truth is, Jesus was exposing them for who they were. So they had to get rid of him because he was exposing their hypocrisies. Herod had to get rid of him because he thought this guy, this guy was a threat to his throne. <laughs> you know, he enjoyed having that power, and he felt that man, this guy's just got too much influence. He is a threat to the power that I have. Pilate had to get rid of him, well, because of political reprisals, but huh, I guess to make his wife happy as well. <laughs> the thing was, he couldn't handle the pressure of the people. I mean, Pilate said, I can't find anything wrong with this guy. He tried to give them an out, but they wanted Barabbas instead, and they were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, and he knew. Just like so many decisions that are made today by our politicians, he was more concerned about his political career than he was about doing what was right. You see, Peter wanted to see the end of this story, but what he didn't realize was he was seeing the deep, depravity of how sinful that mankind really was. You know that there's never been a more depraved act in all of history than when they nailed Jesus Christ to that cross, the creator, the God of the universe, and yet they nailed him to that cross. There was no way to truly justify what they were doing. There was no way to justify the wickedness of their actions that day and putting him to open shame. 
God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they were the only ones right when they made his, Jesus Christ an offering for sin. Well, they were doing it, the right reasons. But in doing so, they were showing the depths of man's depravity. Not only were mankind wrong in putting Jesus on the cross, but they didn't deserve the grace that, that flowed from that cross. None of us deserved it. But I'm saying to you that Peter's hanging about there, and he's hanging about because, man, he's got to see how this ends. And we know that he was fearful, and he was seeing all these literal actions that was taking place. But when he was seeing how it all ended, he was seeing there before his very eyes, he was seeing the defeat of Satan. He was seeing the depravity of mankind in the greatest act of depravity that man ever did in putting Jesus on that cross. But you know, he saw something else too that I'm sure he didn't realize he saw the defeat of Satan and the depravity of mankind, but he also saw the destruction of sin. Preacher, sin hasn't been destroyed. There's still plenty of it around. I can show you a little bit in my life if you want to see it. Well, Hebrews 9.26 says this. Well, then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now, once... In the end, in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You see, up until this point, there was no way. Oh, yes, in the Old Testament, they had to co continually come and they had to bring their sacrifices for, for sin, but none of them would put it away completely. I'm saying what Peter saw before his eyes was the end of sin having reigned because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was being shed there. Sin, the Bible says, was being put away once and for all. Yes, that blood has to be applied, but only what took place at Calvary makes that possible for your sin to be put away, for my sin to be put away, and one day for sin to be put away forever. Now, once, in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. In this great dispensation of grace that you and I live in, Jesus Christ appeared to put away sin once and for all by the sacrifice of himself. When Jesus died on the cross, those that were sitting there watching just like Peter, they had no earthly idea <laughs> just what they were seeing. The end of Satan, the depths of the depravity of man in his greatest act of depravity ever, the destruction, the putting away of sin once and for all by the death of Jesus Christ. You see, the cross is as though 
It just happened, and yet it's for all of eternity. Once for all, somehow we die there on that cross with him. Our sin is put away only by the blood of Jesus. How can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? I'm saying, well, Peter was there wanting to see the end, to see just what was going to happen to Jesus. But I don't think he even began to fully grasp that he was seeing the defeat of Satan, the depths of man's depravity, the destruction of sin. But you know what else he saw? Which ought to make you shout even as a Baptist. He saw the demonstration of God's grace like never before. He saw the end of living under the law and the possibility of living under grace. Luke chapter 23, Peter saw this, verses 39 to 43, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself in us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You see, I made the statement this morning, and I make it again this evening. You know, there's only one way, one way to have a relationship with God, one way to enjoy an eternity in heaven, one way to have eternal life. That's by God's grace. Or by grace are you saved. No other way. No other way under heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith. <laughs> that thief dying there on the cross beside him, he was, he was a thief. He was a crook. I mean, he hadn't done anything good in his life maybe. He's sitting there, and, and, and the one thief, he's just ridiculed and making fun of Jesus off, off you, who you say you are. Why don't you just save yourself and us too while you're at it? Come on, come on down off of that cross. But the other thief, in his simplicity, said, I don't deserve anything. I deserve what I'm getting. This man, he doesn't deserve what he's getting. He believed. For by grace are you saved through faith. Lord, Wilt thou remember me? <laughs> Lord, will you have mercy on me? Jesus, today. Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so we find that we see the demonstration of God's grace, even as he hung there on the cross dying, even as he hung there, demonstrating his grace to this undeserving thief. And of course, so many times, so many times there are those that will laugh, chide, make fun. So many times when one recognizes their, their sinful position, they seek that forgiveness from God. At the same time, there are those others just like that of the thief that are 
chiding, making light of it. The truth is, is there'll be many one day that may look back and said, if only I had listened. If only I had listened. Peter wanted to see the end. He was there to see how it all finished. You know, even he, when he saw his Lord, his one that he'd fallen, this one that he'd been so dedicated to, when he saw him hanging on that cross and take his last breath, even then, he didn't realize the story hadn't finished. (laughs) Three days later, that tomb would be empty that same Peter that did all that doubting. You know, we talked about that grace this morning, that same grace that saves us is the same grace that allows us to live godly lives. That same grace that saved Peter and all of his human weaknesses, that same grace is the same grace that on the day of Pentecost stood Peter before that crowd and proclaimed Jesus Christ. Proclaim that message to anybody that would hear and listen that miraculous day. So many more were went into the kingdom by this one, this one, that by God's grace had seen the end of all of this without even realizing it. And I guess my reminder to you this evening, oh, let us not lose sight of the cross of Calvary and the one that hung there. There are many crosses. There's only one cross of Calvary. There are many gods, little G's. There's only one God in heaven that planned it all. You know, there's a lot of people that even today set back, maybe mockingly even say, well, we'll see it how it all plays out in the end. We'll see how it all finishes. But we know. We know how it finishes. We know that the end of the story We know what it's going to be because of what happened here at Calvary. What happened when they found that empty tomb? So my reminder to you this evening is all, let us remember all that took place when Jesus was there, all because of Calvary, all because of that shed blood that was shed there, reminding your sins. The end of the story was finished and finalized. That's why that I guess that that wonderful, wonderful passage that I'll read to you in closing this evening that we find in the book of Romans in chapter 8. And of course, we find that wonderful, wonderful promise there that tells us that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. These next couple of verses are only there because the end of the story was finalized at Calvary. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Do you know that it is absolutely impossible to become a Christian without being conformed to the very image of Christ? that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Notice in verse 30, and I've pointed this out before, but I just remind you, moreover, whom he did 
predestinate, he did. It's done. It's past tense. When you become a child of God, the end of the story is already written. For whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Past tense. Them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. Done. Finished. The end of the story. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. The truth is you will be made into the very image of Christ. God doesn't do halfway work. You can't become a child of God and then the work just not get finished somewhere along the line. The story was finished at Calvary. Jesus finished it for us because there on Calvary in the very depths of of man's most depraved act in history, Satan was defeated and doomed for all of eternity. Sin was destroyed. And the fact that when the blood of Jesus Christ covers it, it is no more, folks. When the blood of Jesus Christ is applied, it is, the Bible says, put away once for all. And we saw the demonstration of God's grace, forgiving the very thief that hung on the cross beside him, crying out even for those that were doing this act to him, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you know the very ones that committed that act? If any of them were there on the day of Pentecost and heard that message, do you know what? even though they might have been active in nailing him to that cross, their sins were put away if they put their faith and trust in that one that did it. Oh, remember all that Christ did for us. And you know, we still see the story being played out in my life and in your life. But the ending is already written. It's certain and it's sure. And Peter and all those other that, that day that wanted to see the end of it, Oh, they saw so much more than they realized they were seeing, even what it would do in mine and your lives today. Father, we thank you. Lord, just to be reminded, Lord, this is such a familiar passage of Scripture, but may it never become old to us as we're reminded of what Jesus did for us there at Calvary. Lord, I don't know why you impressed it upon my heart for this evening, but Lord, I thank you for reminding this preacher, Lord, that that one that was willing to face all that he faced, that he did it not only to demonstrate his grace for that thief beside him, but he did it to demonstrate his grace in my life, in our lives, in the lives of all that would believe. So, Father, we thank you this evening that we can have that confidence of knowing, Lord, the end of the story has been written. It was finalized at Calvary. It was finalized with Jesus Christ. And Lord, we can have confidence of knowing that one day, one day, we will be the very image of him. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.